staff meetings when I'm done, no doubt, and I wasn't supposed to be here this week. I was taking it off, but after I saw that, I thought, you know, I need to come back. I think I need. That's what happens when you leave town, and so had to come back and address that, but actually, Jeff's going to get a chance to preach in a few weeks. We, we, whoa, 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 whoa. We think. <laughs> There's going to have to be some theological discussions and vision uh, concerns before that happens. So, but anyway, other than that, uh, glad to be back and, um, and, and look forward to it. It's a message today that I'm going to talk to you. Some of you have heard this in various forms over the years, but it's one I was going to preach a few weeks ago, and uh, let me get this out of my pocket here, uh, a few weeks ago, and just some different scriptures kept coming to me, but this one today, uh, I've taken a little bit different uh, title to it at least, so that's the reason I'm trying to sneak up on it. It's called 3D Relationships. 3D Relationships. And it's about investing in relationships. And of course, we talked a long time over the greatest about what it means to not only have a relationship with the Lord and how that works its way out to loving our neighbor. Today, I hope I give you some practical tools that may be helpful, and some of you have heard it before, but maybe you will hear it differently today. I don't know about you, but I've read the same book. How many of you have ever watched the same movie twice? Like, if you're a kid, you've watched it like 40 times. Uh, Tori used to go to sleep at night watching Good Burger. Was that what it was? Uh, yeah, she, I don't know if she ever saw the end of it. I just know she saw the first 45 minutes of it probably. But, but you can watch the same thing over and over, and you see it differently the next time. How many times have you read Scripture? The exact same Scripture. And I'm not going to put my sermon at the level of Scripture, okay? So don't hear what I'm not saying. But you've read Scripture over and over, and all of a sudden one day you read it, and all of a sudden something comes flying at you. You go, I I just never realized that. So hopefully today that will be of help to you. But uh, some of you, I know, have, uh, are in relationships that are, your, that are building. Uh, some of you have been in long relationships and marriage. Some of you are looking at uh, relationships with friendships and things of that nature. But we also have the relationship in our country that we're trying to work through. And I hope today will make sense to some degree in all of that. So we shall see, okay? But one of the things I would say is, you know, we, so many of us invest a lot of time. 
and finances, if you will, and planning a vacation, a golf trip, buying a home, retirement, but really spend no time figuring out what I'm going to do in the relationships that are involved in all those. Really spend no money for the most part. Really spend no going to a class or, or trying to, I want to go to a, an investment class or I want to go to whatever that is. Or you, or, or, you, or you sign up for emails that come in about where to travel and things of that nature. And, and like for me, I get, was getting Hank Haney's golf tips every day even though I don't use them. Uh, but you get things thinking I'll use them someday and you invest some time and you invest some money. But for whatever reason, when it comes to relationships, we even teach people in the church how to have a relationship with the Lord. But somehow or another, it doesn't seem to work its way out of how to have a relationship with others. Over the last many weeks, you've heard me say repeatedly, and it's said repeatedly here at Renovation, if you've been here a long time, about how to build intimate or deep relationships. And that's really what I want to talk about today is, is the depth of relationships. Or you could use the word intimate here if you wanted to. But the one reason I sometimes hesitate to use the word intimate because in our culture today, the word intimate really only means the physical aspect of a relationship, which is ridiculous because that's not its purpose. Because it's so self-focused when it does that. When it begins and ends with a physical relationship, oh, they were intimate, if you will, or they thought. No, no, no. Intimacy is, and we'll talk about it in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, which I'm going to read right now, which I've used over and over because it helps me. I hope in turn helps you. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth, deep, insight and so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God and no doubt what Paul is saying here is our relationship with Christ is number one we've got to understand that we want to know him we want to be able to discern we want to have that but it also but I believe and you've heard me say many times this also just lays right over the top of any deep relationship you want to have you just move it over. Matter of fact, if you don't have the first one, you're not going to be able to do the second one, just so you know. You will never be able to live into any relationship, in my opinion, at the level you can without the first one, which is what Paul is writing about, is our relationship with the Lord. And I'll talk about that in just a moment. But you've heard me say over and over over the last many weeks, like I said, that, that great deep relationships start with respect do you respect, <clears throat> which you could do slash, backslash, trust. Do I trust, respect? And when I do that, it leads to vulnerability. In other words, I become open now to their, their insight and being open to them. So trust leads to vulnerability, which leads to intimacy or depth, which opens up the opportunity for conversation or dialogue at a different level. When I trust someone and I respect someone, I'm now more open to a dialogue. And if needed, that process leads to reconciliation. Respect, vulnerability, intimacy or depth opens up for conversation, dialogue, which ultimately can lead to reconciliation. I don't know about you, but I feel like even from our nation all the way back into many of our homes, this needs to be understood. Knowledge and depth of insight that your love may abound. So three questions real quick as I go through this. Let's see if it's quick. <laughs> you know me, but let's see. <clears throat> the first question is this, <clears throat> and this won't apply to, and I realize you, let me say this before I ask this question. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, this is not a judgment on you. We were all there once that are now believers. But I do want you to hear this part, 
that I believe one of the biggest issues, and the first one is this, is, is in any deep relationship, the question is to be answered, am I secure in who I am in Christ? Am I secure in who I am in Christ? Do we have that slide? I don't guess we do. No, no. Okay, take it off. So I had, yeah, anyway, so you're going to have to write this down. Are you secure in who you are in Christ? The question then becomes, is your heart right with God? Is it full of grace? Do you live your life in a motion of grace or a motion or a, a, a tendency of judgment? Because when I am secure in the grace that God has poured out on me as Paul was, I can have dialogue and conversations because I'm secure in the values and, 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 the, and the beliefs that I have in him and I'm not worried about being compromised. It also allows me when I'm secure in who I am in Christ to be open to conversation and dialogue that maybe, just maybe, I missed something. Not about Christ. I'm not saying, oh, maybe sometimes we need to have theological discussions don't we? Great community involves great conversation around Scripture. Great community challenges us, okay, I see where you got that, but what about this over here? Then you start going, well, then, well, that contradicts. No, what if, and we'll talk about it here in a minute, what if there's just tension between the two? And we have to learn how to live in. But one of the things that, that we've talked about here often, it comes from the GLS 2011 from Henry Cloud, and you can just go ahead and put it up on the wise, fool, evil, and you can take a picture of it if you want to, if it helps you at all, because I'm not going to go through everything, because I teach it in the Uncommon class. Most of you know that. But one of the things about when confronted with truth, see, if you're secure in Christ, you will always, it may take a little bit, but you will almost always end in the wise category, okay? And that is, I want to adjust to the truth. I want to step towards the light. I don't want to, like a fool, I don't want to deflect the light like I had a mirror and you're trying to give me truth and I deflect it away. No, that's not what I want. Or I just want to smash it. I know it's truth. I know it's fact, but I'm going to crush it, silence it. Cancel it. I want to know that in my life, at the end of the day, it may take me a little bit to get there at times, folks. Please hear me. I'm not saying I'm so spiritual that I end up at wise immediately. But I can say this, that's where I want to end up. Where's the, go ahead, put it back up there. That's where I want to be. I want to be able to say, I'm sorry, I missed that. Because I'm secure in Christ. It doesn't take away from my identity in Him. And it makes me vulnerable because when I say I'm sorry, it makes me vulnerable, right? That you may think less of me. But if I'm secure in Christ and I know I'm wrong and I know I need to correct it, i got to correct it. No matter what else comes out of it. No matter what it costs me. Or I can just be a fool. Second question. Are you all in concerning the relationship? Whatever this relationship is that you want to go at a deeper level. And I realize not all relationships are going to be this. So I've said this before when we talk about fans and, 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 and uncommon, people who love you but are not impressed by you, people who have your best interest at heart, those people, you may only have five to ten in your whole life. We're not talking about a hundred people. We're, not talking, we're just talking about a few people that you want to be able to say. And many times, it's sure, if you're married, let me say this, if you're married, please hear this. Because that's one of them you've chosen to do this in. As a parent, please listen, because you have chosen to be put in this position. 
When it comes to the relationship, do you agree on the values? Because if you don't agree on the values, you'll be fighting all the time. That's where a lot of this comes from because you don't agree on what it should be. And you don't agree on the direction. When you don't, as parents, agree on the direction of how to raise your children, whew, when you in a marriage don't agree on the direction and the values that you live by, whew, when you live in a country, a nation, I'm not sure where I got this quote, so if you're out there today listening, I'm sure there's millions of you listening, you go, hey, that's my quote. Let me know. I'll start giving you credit for it, but I think it's a great quote. Commitment that is unprepared to sacrifice is merely compromise in disguise. Commitment that is unprepared to sacrifice is merely compromise in disguise. When you get married... Again, another example, and I know not everybody in here either is or wants to be. I get it. Or old enough to even consider it. A great marriage costs you your selfishness and deals a huge blow to one's sense of independence. I get an amen. Whether you're married or not, you know that. Well, maybe you don't. Well, you need to know that. Because if it doesn't, Because the end result of, 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 of putting your selfishness on the altar, if you will, and putting your inter- independence and move it to interdependence and moving this together, what it does is make it stronger. You think, in many ways, if we both give it up, how in the world could that make it stronger? But it does. It just does. Relationships that are not willing or ready to sacrifice for the direction of life in any relationship, including a country, is in real trouble. Talked about a few few weeks ago. When you say all in, it cannot mean indifference. Are you can't be indifferent on values. You can't be on, indifferent on life. You can be indifferent where you're going out to eat or what the color of the, of, of the accent wall is in your house. You can be indifferent on some things, but you can't be indifferent on these things. You have to be all in in order for it to go to the next depth. That your love may abound. In other words, go above and beyond. In knowledge, and this means firsthand knowledge. It means experiential knowing. Now, I'll, I'll address it here in a little bit, but, but one of them is empathy. Now, I realize you can't have, I can't go back even to day one and say, I know what it's like to be raised in New York City. Maybe I could, but, I, but my parents probably not going to move there. But I sure can't go back and say that I can go back and say, I know what it's like to be black or know what it's like to be Hispanic, or know what it's like to be, I can't go back in my time and go do that because that's who I am. But what I can do is have, I can listen. I can listen and have empathy. But I can't ever go back and have the firsthand knowledge, ever. And the depth of insight, and again, I think I told you a few weeks ago, what I love about this term discernment here, it said this word here cuts through hazy ethical matters to really size up things. In other words, willing to change, you're willing to change, but not be gullible. You're willing to change, but you're going to do it through wisdom and discernment. By doing your education, by gaining the knowledge, but also allowing the Spirit to lead you. But you're willing. 
That builds trust. Because again, like I said, trust is so, it's unbelievable how much trust is underrated in our culture. Not on counting in, in, in a relationship that you know personally, but even overall from media to political to wherever. It's crazy how it's so underrated. Three depths. Let me get to them real quick. Depth one. So those are the three questions. No, 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 no. There's a last question. Excuse me. Is, I, I skipped one. And this is actually what I thought of when I asked Allie, when Allie preached last Sunday, and I appreciate your message so much, but the grander vision, it's a GLS concept that they talk about, about these grander vision, but this grander vision, the third question is this, do you truly have people's best interest at heart? Do you truly have other people's best interest at heart? When you have this conversation, do you truly want to see this thing move forward? The person who has the most influence in your life, hear me teenagers, hear me children, should be the person who has your best interest at heart. Figure out who those are. I tried to convince teenagers for years. But sometimes I couldn't convince them because I wasn't sure their parents actually had their best interest at heart. Because their parents had their own habits and hang-ups and things that they hadn't worked through. And everything filtered through them first. But my hope is in a functional setting, (laughs) your parents always have your best interest at heart. So the three depths. The first one is small talk. Casual. I appreciate Josiah helping me with the tree or the 3D. How many of you, uh, I I had it at the front. I got sidetracked with Jeff's great uh, staff meeting. But you don't have to show the picture right now. But the reason why I'm using the term 3D, how many of you grew up, uh, maybe they still have them, Viewmasters? You know what a Viewmaster is? You slide that thing down and you start clicking that thing along. And all of a sudden there's this 3D uh, picture that you see. I I don't know if we have the picture up there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I got us off track here. Uh, You guys work with me back there. You know I'm pretty all over the map here. But it is that 3D where you begin to see things at a different stage. You pick this up here, then all of a sudden there's another thing that I see. Now there's another thing that I see. And the Viewmasters used to do that. You'd click along, and you'd have those little pictures and little round things. Uh, uh, I think we've got that picture back there somewhere. But uh, Anyway, so is that the first? So, uh, Oh, there it is. How many of you know what that is now? There you go. I thought we'd get more when I did that. Okay. A Viewmaster. Yeah, we know what those are. So uh, anyway, but that's that. that was it was fascinating as a little kid. You know, you click that thing, and it'd be and it could be cartoons, it could be national parks, it could be all kinds of different stuff. But it was just awesome to see that depth. But what we want to talk about relationships real quick is there's three dips, and I want to talk about the depth of what it is like a tree. Because one of the things about small talk, go back to that slide if you would, please. The small talk or casual, I would even say in here, casual talk. You can have these with a ton of people. I mean, here's where you can get through the hundreds. But in a deep relationship, you can't stay here. Because when a storm comes, those roots are not deep enough. They're not deep enough. They're only shallow. Many times they're almost up on top of the ground. They're almost so shallow. We had one blowover out here in one of our first uh, our, 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 uh, monsoon years ago. I mean, you, the thing blew over. It was massive mesquite tree, I think it was, and it blew over. And I mean, the depth of the roots were about this. You look at it and go, how did that happen? And it grew that big, but when the right storm came, it was blown away. <clears throat> and what happens is there are endless topics Well, you can have small talk, surface, casual talk about. I mean almost endless. There's enough distractions in our culture today to get us off to somewhere else. There's always been distractions. There's always been small talk. Here's the problem. There are people that can be married for 50, 60 years and never get out of this stage. You can parent a child and never get out of this stage. 
You can run a nation and never get out of the stage. For a couple of reasons. If you go much deeper, there may be a blow up, if you will. And what I mean by that is, it just may be, it may be in your home. You've taken certain conversations off the table. You've swept them under the rug. You've done that intentionally because every time you broach it, and maybe you've done it before, it becomes this big something. So you decided it's better just to sweep it than it is to deal with it. And one of the reasons why, and I've, I mentioned it earlier, and I love Andy Stanley's quote about tensions that we've got to manage and problems that we need to solve. We've got real problems that we need to deal with, and there's tensions that need to be managed. Andy Stanley says this. He says, what are the tensions that aren't going away? What are the tensions that shouldn't go away that we have to learn to properly manage? If you don't identify these tensions, you will spend hours trying to solve problems that can't be solved and shouldn't be solved. Attention, maybe your finances. There are times where you've got more, there's times where you've got less. It's just not necessarily a problem to solve. There are some values and some disciplines you may do, but it's a managing. Try raising four children the same, let's say at one year old, they're going to do this, and that's the way we're going to raise them until they're 18. And have four of them you got to manage that. It's not just a problem. A child's not a problem to solve, even though you may have values and you may have certain disciplines, you said, but you've got to manage that. Because what happens is either everything is a, is a nail and you're just going to hammer it, or you let everything go. And neither one of those are great parenting. Neither one of those are a great way to run a marriage or any a business or anything else or a country. <laughs> because it takes work. To live in the tension. Now solving a problem? You got some dysfunctional problems that need to be solved? They need to be solved. Just because you're not willing to do it doesn't make it a tension to be managed. It's a problem to be solved. You got a spiritual thing. It needs to be. Now, again, I'm not saying you don't have a pace of that and there's not over time you grow. Yes, there is a tension of that, but I'm talking about you just saying, oh, I'm not going to deal with that. I may drink too much, or I may this or that, and you go, well, uh, I'm just going to make that, I'm just going to say that's, a, that's, not, that's a tension to manage. I'll, I'll drink a lot here, and then I won't drink a lot there, or, or whatever that may be. There's all kinds of things we can put into dysfunctional habits. But knowing the difference between tensions and problems, and willing to not sweep them under the rug, it's a great victory. Even if you've done nothing with them yet, just to realize we're no longer going to sweep things under the rug, and we're going to figure out what are tensions we have to live within, and problems that need to be solved. What a huge victory. Now, that's not the end of it. It just opens up the door for the second level, which is tensions and passion without separation. Tension and passion without separation. The roots now are deeper. So now when we have that discussion, we have that dialogue, we have that conversation, there's a little bit of passion behind it. Now there's a little tension because we have different, we're thinking different, we may have different opinions, but now we know we can go there at this depth and we not be separated after it's over with. How many people do you know, and some of you, it's on Facebook, you just, you just go, I can't deal with them anymore, so I'm just, I'm not going to follow, I'm not going to, they're gone, Okay. Some of you, if you bring it up, you now know that that even in a marriage, if we bring that up, if we have this passion and emotion behind this and this tension, then we are going to be separated further away. But when you get to this depth, you have those kind of conversations, not only will it not separate you, you very well may get stronger and may drive that root deeper because now you're vulnerable. Now you're, because you have a trust and respect, you're willing to go to the next level because you trust those people.
One thing is for sure is not here is indifference. If whoever you're having the other discussion with, whoever the other party or party or people, groups or whatever it is, if you're indifferent to it, you can't get here. Again, I realize there's things in life that we can be indifferent to. It doesn't matter. But when you want to have a deep, close relationship, there are times you just need to listen. And it may expose some things in your own life you don't want to know about. We talked about it, in the, in, again, in the series, The Greatest. Talked about dialectical thinking and talking about the fact when it says to love the Lord our God with all of our mind, it's literally talking about a mind. The, the, the description there in the Greek is a mind that can go to both sides. of a, It's a reasoning mind. It's a mind that can go to both sides and look at both sides. They're not just stuck one place. That's one of the concerns I have in our culture today. We're all pigeonholed. Somehow or another, because I'm, I'm, I'm white, I'm pigeonholed. Because you're black, you're pigeonholed. Because, because we're, we're certain, we, we have a certain lifestyle, we're pigeonholed. And we become identified by that, by what political party we're in. We're identified by that. I don't trust you because you're a part of that. They don't even know the whole story. But we don't get to talk about the whole story. Why? Because we go too quick to the emotional. We want passion. But emotionalism is different. Emotion versus emotionalism. Emotionalism doesn't equal truth because you say it loud enough and scream it loud enough and are passionate about it. It doesn't make it truth. You can have emotion. I want you to have emotion. I want you to have conviction. That's the only way I really trust you sometimes is you're convicted of it. But that's different. We have it in the church, right? God's sovereignty versus free will. Oh, yeah, I said it out loud. But we as Wesleyans and then down Nazarene, but as Christians, for one reason, I believe we can live in the tension. I don't have to know all the answers to God's sovereignty. I don't have to know, understand how all the free will thing works. I just believe both of them are true, and I'm willing to live in the tension. It's both. I believe in a God that it's both. Not just one or the other because now all of a sudden it's a problem to solve instead of a tension to manage. And I don't think Scripture gives us room to say necessarily that it's a problem to solve. It's a tension to manage. It's a God who does both. He's that big. Is there an area in your life or in your relationship life and in your relationships that needs to be brought to light. Joseph Greeny talks about in crucial conversations, these crucial or controversial or confrontational conversations, but he calls them crucial conversations where they're opposing opinions, high stakes, strong emotions. Opposing opinions, high stakes. Because sometimes we can have opposing opinions like, okay, I believe, and I'm shouldn't. The Oakland Raiders are the best football team in the NFL. I mean, we know that's ridiculous. But let's say I took that stand. And you said, no, it's wherever Tom Brady is. Okay, now we've got an issue. Okay, but my point is this. Those are not high stakes. Who cares? Really, at the end of the day, who cares? We're talking about high stake issues. Greeny goes on to say, he says, he says the health of an organization, of, of, a, of a family, of a church, and I would say even a country, is, is, is the health of it is from the, the, the time it takes from when you recognize there is a crucial conversation that needs to happen and when it happens. The longer you let it go and you don't have it, the unhealthier and dysfunctional that it is. And unfortunately, when we usually have these, if we don't have these conversations, if we don't talk it out, we act it out. And when we act it out, we're probably not at our best most of the time. But you're going to do it. 
If the most influential part of our lives will rest on our ability to have crucial conversations, then I think we need to figure out how to do this. And we can teach a whole course, or we can have a whole course taught on crucial conversation, but let me see if I can give you some quick things here real quick. One is, let me say this, you, I think any crucial conversation, confrontational, whatever right word you want to use here is, is they need to be face-to-face if possible. Not by the written word. I know that's, I think it makes me sound old-fashioned. Because, Kurt, I have all kinds of ways to write it now. I mean, from Facebook to Twitter to email to, to, to text to, oh, I just got all kinds of ways I can put it in writing. A letter, I can even still do the old school way, a note or a letter. I still got all those. It's still not right. Those who have been, and, and, and Josiah will tell you, but those who have interned under me for 20-something years, my, one of my things I've told them over and over, never deal with confrontational issues by the written word. I've been talking about that for 25 years because those people can't see your, they can't have context, they can't hear your tone, they don't see your body language, and they can read it over and over and over again before they ever even respond. They've built up this momentum. You play this chess match of verbal bombs being thrown from here to there. Are you kidding me? I think people, and I know I'm going to get in trouble for this because you, you, you may follow somebody that you admire a lot, but let me say this. I think it's weak. Weak leadership to throw verbal bombs. Call the person up. Let's have a meeting. I don't care if anybody ever knows about the meeting. I am not going to throw verbal bombs back and forth. I don't see that in any way lining up with our faith. I know sometimes because of access and different things, we may have to deal with something by email or, 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 or text or a letter. I get it. I think there are exceptions to that when there's no other option but That has to be the last option, in my opinion, in this setting. Impossible roadblocks. I'm going to read these real fast because I know I've got to get out of here. Let me ask you if this describes you. I'm going to do it rapid fire. When you do talk in these type of discussions, whether of tension and passion, do you do it to be right and to be heard? Are you truly trying to bring reconciliation? That's a question. Do you have have to always be in control of the discussion? Are you approachable because of your potential reaction to certain topics? In other words, are you approachable? There are certain things. The reason why they're off the table is because you're not approachable. Do you exaggerate the negatives? Do you speak in absolutes by using terms like you always, you never, you do this every time, et cetera, et cetera? Are Are you factual? That's a that's a Don't confuse, right? Don't confuse me with the facts, okay? Don't confuse my... Do you really listen, or is your version the only version of a circumstance? Do you want to silence someone else because you don't value them? You just want to silence them? Do you get emotional? I've already addressed this. Many folks use emotion to get a point across, factual or not. Again, like we've said. When tensions arise... Do you use offensive, hurtful words or name-calling as your go-to? And another big question I would ask, is this really an issue with someone else? Or is this your own issue that's being projected onto someone else? Or a mixture of both? What if your ability to have crucial crucial conversations change the trajectory of your life, of your family's life, of your friend's life, of your community or nation or church or business. We just go on and on. A helpful tool I've used over the years, and many of you have seen this, and this came to me in a prayer when I was going to have to deal with something confrontational years ago, and it's this. Please slide that up there. Be gracious. If you're going to deal with someone, just as it is a checklist, I go through in my head immediately if I'm going to deal with confrontational, crucial, uh, whatever word you want to use here. But these three things, be gracious. Is my heart right? Is my heart right? 
Not is their heart right? Did they say they were sorry? Did they say, no, no, no. Is my heart right? Am I full of grace? Two, be factual. Be factual. That is so underrated. Don't say it. Just don't say it if you don't know it. The reason why I don't get in a lot of conversations, uh, certain conversations, because I don't know enough about it. I just try to listen. But be factual. Then the last one is be bold. Don't be angry. Don't be frustrated. Don't be cocky. Don't be blunt. Be bold. And bold is this. You speak the truth for the common good even at personal risk. You're vulnerable. You're going to step into that moment at that time because you need to. You believe it's for the good of everything, the grander vision, if you will. It's for that is the reason why you're speaking this and you know you're vulnerable in that moment that someone's going to mistake mistake what you said. They're going to hear what you're not saying. But man alive, folks, be gracious. Let God get your heart right. Be factual. Oh, my goodness. Be bold. The last one is this, depth three. Share your hurts, your habits, your strengths, your fears, and dreams. See, if you're secure in who you are in Christ, and you're all in, both of you are all in concerning your relationship, and you know you have the, that other person's best interest at heart, now you get to get here. It's hard to reach this point, though, folks. And you have to fight for it. You will not get here just by showing up. You will have to fight for this. And it'll have to be on the front of your mind that this depth is critical to this relationship. Where you share your hurts. It could be open wounds that they're going to help you heal. Matter of fact, they could even help cause the hurt. But if they've changed and they're not dysfunctional anymore, maybe, maybe if they're just really willing to say they're sorry at that point and begin to walk it out the best they know how, but you're now at a different depth. Or maybe your role is just to have empathy. Some of you as children, let me say this, if you're I don't know if you're probably 25, maybe older or maybe younger. I don't know. Let me tell you this. If you've never parented, give your parents some grace. Can I say it again? If you've never parented, give your parents some grace. Because you don't know what you're talking about. And they're going to look a whole lot smarter 20, 10, 15, 20 years from now. Now, you know there's certain things that are dysfunctional. You know that. But you don't know all their story. You don't know why they respond the way. You don't know what pressure they may be under. You don't understand all that. Give them some grace. You should be full of grace as a believer anyway. Empathy. And I love that shared with you. Empathy refers to our ability to take the perspective and feel the emotions of another person, but compassion is when those feelings and thoughts include the desire to do something about it. So empathy and compassion are not the same. Empathy is I'm willing to feel it. Compassion is I'm willing to help. Share your habits. Put that, put that, that, screen, that one back. Just leave it up there, please. Can you reach the depth to be able to share your struggles without the others becoming angry or judgmental? Are you deep enough to share with them, I've got this habit, I've got this thing that I'm trying to overcome, I've got this, without them feeling, you, you feeling judged at that time or them feeling less of you? You know, Jan and I talk about it and my big habit of eating too much. I do eat too much. And I know Jan says to me at times, why do you have to eat that? How do you have to eat that 12th piece of cake or whatever? I know I'm exaggerating, but maybe not. Uh, I don't, I, I, I'm just, it's not a confession, but why do you have to? And you know what my answer is? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And I fight it. Sometimes it's out of depression maybe or just wore out or I don't know. 
because it's there. My theory has always been, if that thing's tempting you, eat it all up right now and get the temptation out of the house. Some of you go, I, that, that's me. That's awesome. That's an awesome theory. Is the environment a place where you can highlight and talk about strengths at times? I think I'm pretty good at this. I think God has gifted me with this. I think God is honing this in me. I think God, but here's the problem. If it's not deep enough, those people, if they're not careful, they'll feel insecure and strike you down. You got to be real careful. It actually connects to dreams also. When you start dreaming of something, you start rolling that out and you start talking about it, you got to make sure you're in the right group. I don't mean people who are just going to, yeah, amen you, and let you go on your own and they're not telling you the truth. I'm talking about people who have your best interest at heart who are going to say, hey, have you thought about this? That's an awesome idea. Or, uh, I mean, it's like, to me, though, a dream like a Shaq wanting to be a great jockey, that's probably somebody needs to tell him you can't be seven foot tall and 400 pounds. There are times we need to tell the truth, right? I don't know how much Shaq weighs, but I'm going to guess it's upper to that number. Somebody look at Colton, look that up for me. No, <laughs> I'm always here at the house. Colton, look that up for me. But you know what I'm saying? There's sometimes you just got to go, I don't think that's you. But I love what Matthew Kelly says in his book, The Dream Manager. And then to talk about fear. Let me say, hold on that real quick. I'll just mention fears here too. I think one of the biggest challenges is men specifically, but it's all of us. But men seem to, it seems to somehow chip away at your machoism as you talk about your fears sometimes. But when you're deep enough in a relationship, you can talk about that. I don't mean fear as in, there's just things that you go, man, I'm concerned about this. In my own life or for us where we're headed or I see this out there. And sometimes if you're mind like mine, it, you look further out than you should sometimes. And you worry about things and you things you shouldn't worry about. There's, you know, and, and for me sometimes, I, I, you've heard me say this before, I think worrying helps because most things I worry about never happen. Some of you will get this tomorrow. But I worry too much. But I don't want to be judged every time I want to talk it through. Because I'm a talker-outer. <laughs> How many of you in here want to talk it out? How many of you are just going to, you want to talk through it? Doesn't mean that you're wrapped in bondage, you're paralyzed by it. You just want to talk through it, but you've got to be in a safe place to talk about it. At a depth where you can talk about it. Put that slide back up, please. Leave this slide up there, please. A place where you can talk about it. Matthew Kelly, and I'm going to come back to them. We'll go back to the slide here in just a minute. Matthew Kelly in his book says, you can ignore people's dreams, but that will be at your peril. You're free to ignore your children's dreams, your spouse's dreams, your employees' dreams, your customers' dreams, your nation's dreams, but in each of these areas of life, you will pay an enormous price if you do. Obviously, getting to these depths and staying at these depths is easier said than done. There's no question about that. And the question many times we ask is this, what's it going to cost me to be at that depth? And my response to you is this, what's it going to cost you not to be at that depth? Some of us are lazy enough to just, would rather just go, I don't really care what it costs me not to be there because it looks like it's going to cost me too much to get there. That's lazy. That's indifference. The question is, are you secure in your relationship with Christ? That's the first thing. What I love about the song that we sang this morning, I'm going to ask the band to come and we're going to close out on this. And those of you at home, I just, man, alive. I, I, I watched from online last week and, and just so appreciative of the band and for Allie's message and those who will be preaching and myself. But it is harder. There's no doubt. It is harder, but, man, I'm just so appreciative that we have that option, that I can be gone and still watch and be a part of what's going on here at Renovation.
And uh, we just are so thankful for those who are out there and just, just we look forward to hopefully someday, sooner than later, that we'll all be able to be here, but we uh, are just appreciative of this opportunity. But one of the last questions I ask in the first part of this today, and I know I threw a lot at you today, and I apologize for so much I threw at you, but uh, in some ways. I heard that when the message does God have our best interest at heart? That's our first relationship that we've got to get right. And I love the line in the goodness of God. We can sing that. You have led me through the fire. He's refining some of us. Some of you are in the fire. Some of you are past a fire and another one will come to refine you again. But the thing I always have to keep in mind, he has my best interest at heart. He always, if I'm all in, he's already all in. It's called the cross. He just asked me to be secure in him. Because when I start there, then everything else flows out of it. I love the scripture that Sarah read earlier. When one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. With what's going on in our culture this year, I know he's talking about the church, but folks, we have black and brown and all colors and mixed together in churches and some not and they're hurting scripture tells me when they're hurting we should be hurting I don't know what all that means and I don't have a great answer and I haven't come here today but I think the first place I want to start is am I secure in my walk with him am I willing to listen am I willing to be all in am I willing to want the best interest the grander vision for this country and for the people who live in it and around the world I hope that's my desire I don't always live it out I'm not perfect I'm not trying to, I'm trying to be perfect I'm, I'm just not trying to project that I'm perfect but I do want that and desire that Just a reminder as we close today, and I realize again we're running a little long. But I want to sing this song The Goodness of God. Just to remind us. And we say it often here God loves you, He's on your side, He's coming after you, He's relentless. He loves you. Won't you stand as we close in song and I'll come back and dismiss us.